longings to come on this trip. And my son looked at me. He said, Dad, can you take some Tupperware with you? And uh, I didn't know what he was up to. And I didn't. Uh, I thought maybe he was wanting me to bring some of Sister Riggins cookies home or something. And I said, what, what, do, you, what do you want me to bring some Tupperware for, son? He said, Dad, if they have some snow, could you bring me back some? And uh, I thought, you know what, just go turn that faucet on. It'd be about the same. <laughs> but I'm happy to be here tonight. I really am. I feel like this has been in the will of God. And uh, I feel like the Lord has dealt with me. I really do. I feel like he has especially dealt with me about this particular service tonight. And I really need the help of God. And you need the help of God. And we all need the help of God. And I, I, I really want us to do something right now in this service. I feel a special touch of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I want us collectively as a corporate body to lift our voices. And let's pray that God would really help us tonight. We need God's help tonight. Would you do that with me? Let's lift our voices together tonight. And let's ask God to help us. your anointing I need your strength I need your power I need your direction oh God I need your words tonight I really do God I really need them tonight God pray that you would help me Jesus to know your perfect mind and will in this service tonight the name of Jesus the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Praise God, praise God, praise God. I'm turning your attention tonight to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter number 13. 1 Chronicles chapter number 13 again to Brother and Sister Riggin and this fine church for all of your kind hospitality. I don't feel deserving of any of it, but I want you to know that from the depth of my heart, I really, really do appreciate it. And I don't take it for granted, and I don't take it lightly. And uh, I know there are uh, expenses that, that are involved and, and labors that must be put forth, and I really do appreciate it. I mean that. I don't feel deserving. But I do want to do the work of God tonight. I do want to obey what the Holy Ghost has, has dealt with me about. And I have never preached what I am going to preach tonight. But I do know that God has dealt with me. First Chronicles chapter number 13. And I'm going to read at verse number one. And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, if it seem good unto you and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren every that where that are left in the, all the land of Israel and with them also to the priests and Levites which are in their cities and suburbs that they may gather themselves unto us and let us bring again the ark of our God to us. For we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so. For the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shihor of Egypt even unto the entering of Hamath to bring the ark of God from kirjath Jerem. And David went up and all Israel to Baalah, uh, uh, that is to kirjath Jerem, which belongeth to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God the Lord that dwelleth between the cherubims whose name is called on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Ahio drave the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might and with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with timbrels and with cymbals and with trumpets. And when they came unto the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. And David was displeased because 
The Lord had made a breach upon Yuza. Wherefore, the place is called uh, Perez Yuza to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Amen. I want us to pray one more time that God would help us tonight. Would you do that with me? Just lift your voice aloud and let's pray. God, help us tonight. Strengthen us tonight. Encourage us tonight. Inspire us tonight. Edify us tonight. Oh, Jesus, would you let your word come and help us in this place tonight? Oh, let's love him with a loud voice. Come on, somebody, lift your voice like a trumpet. Oh, let's love him. Let's love him tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for helping us. Thank you for helping us, God. Glory to God, glory to God. God bless you. You could be seated here tonight. In the area of the country that we live, the Phoenix metro area is currently the sixth largest metro within the United States, according to our latest census. It has been one of the fastest growing areas of our country. Many of our communities there in that metro will be numbered as the fastest growing communities in the United States. There is all kinds of building that goes on around that metroplex. And progress is being made. Uh, it is refreshing to travel our freeways. It is not like it is in many of the areas of the country on the East Coast or the West Coast. But the city planners have planned for progress. We have loops that go around the Metroplex, large circular freeways that make it easy to get around. In the inner circle is the Loop 101. And then further out, reaching around the borders of the city is the 202 freeway. Just recently, they've opened another loop around the city called the 303. And they will probably have plans for the 404. It is a city that is known for its progress. We have calculated into the resources of our region what we are going to need for population expansion and growth. We have the natural resources, the pipelines have been put in. All of the, the resources that are necessary for a community have been well thought out and well planned out. But just a few blocks from where our family home sits near the historic downtown Glendale, there is a region that is called the Historic Preservation District. And we have all kinds of companies relocating to the Phoenix area. And Apple is looking and, and working on putting a facility there. There is Intel. There is On Semiconductor. And you name it. Amazon is headquartered there. All kind, Google is headquartered there. All kinds of corporate industry has moved into that area. They're building sky rises. And they're building uh, expansive uh, facilities for the building of electronic equipment 
building all kinds of things. Uh, we have a lot of aviation industry in that area. Uh, the Phoenix area, uh, it, it, it uh, has 364 beautiful flying days a year. So we, we necessarily invite a lot of aerospace industry to our community. They're building, building, building. Retirees from all over the country relocate at least for a few months into that Phoenix area. And they're building, 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 expanding, pushing out, growing. But in this little facility down in the downtown Glendale area is a historic preservation district. And for all of their building and all of their growing, there are some places that the city has stood up and said, these things must be. Be preserved. You can build your corporation headquarters and, and you can expand all of your corporate structure, but there's some areas of town that we're not changing. It's a historic preservation district. The founding fathers of that community know we can't let everything go to progress. There are some things that we must hold on that remind us of our roots. Uh, from the driveway of my home, I can look up and I can see over a couple of blocks where there is an old sugar beet factory that was built before the turn of the century. It's still standing there so elegant the architecture uh, is unparalleled with anything that has been built in recent years. It stands there as a reminder of the past and how we got to the place that we are. I want to preach to us today uh, from a very simple title. And I just want to preach about the paradox of progress and preservation. The paradox of progress and preservation. I looked up the word today just to see that I understood its complete meaning and a paradox is simply an absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when it is investigated or explained it's found to be true and founded on truth. The paradox of progress and preservation. There are some that look at progress and preservation as being diametrically opposed ideologies and practices. But as I delved into the word of God, I found out that it really is a paradox. At face value and as a simple statement, it looks like that progress and preservation, they're the antithesis, the one of the other. But as I explored into the word of God, I found that this is how God views things. He wants progress, but there's also got to be some preservation. Amen. We believe in revival and we believe in outreach and we believe in growing, but can I tell you there are some things that must be be preserved in all of our progress. We must uh, preserve and protect some things. We're living in a strange day and time. I understand I'm a young man, but I feel like I feel like I've seen enough in my short lifetime to be able to stand and declare this to you tonight. But I've seen it in my day. The progressives have come. They've said, "Oh, we've got to have revival at any cost." No, not at any cost. We've got to preserve some things. If you're having revival, but there's no preservation. Amen of our past and where we came from and the tradition that has been handed to us, if there's no preservation of the truth and the gospel that has been given to us from generation to generation, I'm gonna declare to you that your progress is gonna be short-lived because you're not gonna remember the price that was paid to get us to this place. 
I read in the book of Ezra and I understand the remnant has come back and they're rebuilding the foundation of that stately temple that Solomon had built and once the foundation is laid they got together and they had a wonderful service the music was going people were dancing people were shouting the Bible says amen there was a great shout when they praised God because of the foundation that was built but the next verse of scripture tells us but many of the priests and the Levites and the chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes they wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy there were people shouting because of the progress but there were some elders that were weeping because they knew there were some things that were lost there were some things that were not preserved and everything was about progress And I'm trying in my local church to push for revival, expand, outreach. Come on, we gotta do something. Amen, I'm always looking at a van. Amen, I'm always got my eye on another bus. I'm always looking, how can we expand the sanctuary? But inside my heart, I know that with all of our progress, I've got to be also a man that preserves. I can't let everything go. I can't have revival at every cost or any cost. Jude writing to us. He said, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints it was needful and it's still needful to remind us of the paradox of progress and preservation For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance though you once knew this how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed them that believed not. I would put you in remembrance. I feel it incumbent upon me tonight as a preacher of the gospel that once in a while with all of our progress and preaching about revival, every now and then we need to stop and take a trip down memory lane. I'm gonna tell you tonight that memory lane, amen, and progress, they're not going in two different directions. I'm gonna submit for your consideration tonight that progress and preservation are heading the same direction. Progress and preservation, it's a highway that they're going in the same direction. Amen. Well, this is getting too old. You need to change things. You need to update things. Let me tell you, I can't speak for everybody, but let me speak for myself. We don't go too many services, but we crack out the old songbook and we start singing Amazing Grace and I'll fly away and everybody will be happy over there. Well, that's too old. You need to update. Hey, it's not too old. Yes. 
Amen. I hope you'll preach with me for a little while tonight. I'm preaching about the paradox. Well, that seems to contradict itself. Oh, no, my friend. You need to get a revelation of progress and preservation. They work together. Well, we want to come and shout. I understand and I appreciate the shout. But I've got a question. Have we become so progressive and we shout so much we forgot we got to repent? What happened to the message of repentance? What happened to songs like thank God for the blood? I know it was the blood that saved me. to shout though. We want to shout, shout, shout. Amen. Shout all night. But I've got a question. When's the last time that you dragged your carcass to an altar and said, God, I'm not right. Something's wrong with me. The paradox. The paradox of progress and preservation. Jeremiah, the second chapter, he said, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, go cry in the ears of Jerusalem saying, thus saith the Lord. I remember thee, uh, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. I remember, verse number three, Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the first fruits of his increase, and all that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord. What iniquity of your fathers did you find in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and have become vain. Don't you remember your espousals, when you were so happy to get to the house of God, when repentance was a message that you loved to hear, because it's what saved you, it's what convicted you, it got you to the altar. But now, what iniquity of your fathers is found in me. Israel, you've progressed, but you haven't preserved. Neither said they, where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through the land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passeth through and where no man dwelt. And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made mine heritage and abomination. God brought them out. God took them in. God blessed them. They were progressing. They were making advancements. They were coming and tilling through the land and planting orchards and vineyards and houses and digging wells. But all of a sudden, they trampled on the historical preservation district. They brought in the bulldozers and the things that brought them to that point. The history that they had, they trampled on till it was all gone and nobody remembered. We had nothing when we got here. We were just slaves in Egypt. We lived in a waste howling wilderness, but his eye pitied us and brought, they forgot all about that. But Jeremiah went on and gave us these words. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way and walk therein and you will find rest for your souls. I'm gonna invite you tonight, come with me. Come on, let's go find some old paths. Well, Brother Myers, we want revival. No, come follow me. Let me take you down some old paths. You'll see what revival's really like. Come on, let's go down some old paths where repentance was preached and holiness was preached and the oneness of God was preached. 
with the convenience of all of our electronic devices. I went the other day and I found me some old paths, some old messages from way, way, way back. Let me tell you, they didn't have the best vocabulary. Their enunciation was poor at best, but there's something about that dry preaching of the word of God. It got sinners in the altar. They would stand in a revival and preach about the oneness of the Godhead and people would come streaming to the altar and pray through. I'm preaching about progress and preservation. The text that we read to you tonight, the Bible says that all the days of Saul, they inquired not at the ark of the covenant. But when David became the king, he felt it incumbent upon him. There are some things that must be preserved. We didn't go up to that ark all the days of Saul. But now I'm the king and I feel it my duty, amen, to lay down the law. We're gonna go find the ark and we're bringing it back to its rightful place. And he sent to the elders of the land and he gathered them all together, amen, and he let them know what was going on. He said, let's bring the ark again. Let's find the ark of the covenant. Let's find, amen, those two cherubims in that mercy seat. Let's bring it back to its rightful place. And he gathered all Israel together and they got the ark of the covenant. They wanted progress. David understood we haven't gone very far in the days of Saul. We've got to have progress. And they went and got the Ark of the Covenant. The Bible says that they carried the Ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. Uzzah and Ohio, they draved the cart. And it came to a place, uh, the threshing floor of Kidon. And the oxen stumbled. And the ark was jarred. It was unsteady. And a seemingly innocent act of kindness used to stretch forth his hand to steady it. And the Bible says that God smote him there. And he died. David is troubled by this. Verse number 11 says he's displeased by this. And he did not bring the ark of the covenant any further than that point, that Day. The Ark of the Covenant went over to the house of Obed-Edom and God started blessing the house of Obed-Edom. For three months, rumors started coming back to David the king. You hear what's going on down at Obed-Edom? You hear about the revival they're having? You hear about what's going on? They've had three brand new families pray through down there. And David got interested. Uh, woo, I want that kind of progress. Woo, I want what's going on down there at the house of Obed-Edom. But I'm gonna tell you, the king had learned something. He learned, I want progress, but we better not skip the preservation. Are you with me tonight? I want progress, but we better not skip. The preservation. This time, whew, David's excited. This time he goes back. Amen. They go down to the house of Obed-Edom. But this time, he had prepared a place for the ark to come to. And David said these words. None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. He started doing some historical research. He started looking the history lessons that Moses had left for him. And he understood, oh, oh, that new cart's not gonna work. I thought it was progress. I thought we was moving forward. But oh no, we, we forgot. We gotta preserve some things or our progress is gonna be short-lived. 
David, David assembled together the children of Aaron and the Levites. And I won't go through the list of all their names, but when he got them together, he said unto them, you are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that you may bring the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because you did it not at the first, the Lord our God hath made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. Amen. We sought him not after the due order. So the priest and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with staves thereon as Moses commanded according to the word of God. Progress and preservation work together. They're headed in the same direction. Oh, I hope you're with me tonight. I hope to God you can feel a little bit of what I'm feeling here tonight. We're living in a strange day and time. I know we got technology everywhere and we're able to communicate instantly across the world. But with all of our technology, let me remind you tonight that progress has got to be companion with preservation. We can't lose the altar. We can't lose the old rugged cross. I believe it was at our last service at home. I posited this to the congregation. What has happened? We're not seeing revival like we saw in the old days. But we don't preach the cross with its blood and its splinters and its pain and its agony like we did in the old days either. Everybody wants a cross that's easy to accept, but that's not the way that I read it in my Bible. It was still the old rugged cross. Everybody wants new stuff. Sand it down. Polish it out. Make it look nice. We don't want to offend everybody. I'm going to tell you the old timers weren't afraid to offend. They weren't afraid to offend. It didn't bother them if an entire row of people got up and walked out the back door. They kept on preaching because if you got progress, you're gonna have to have some preservation. I remember the tragic words of that preacher's wife that will remain unnamed. And she said to her husband, you better let up on some things or we're gonna lose our kids. And he let up on some things and they lost their kids. I'm preaching the paradox of progress and preservation. David was a visionary. David was a man that wanted God. David was a man that wanted revival. But he's also an astute historian. I'm going back to the book. God didn't like that new cart. There's something about it. Oh, it just hit me wrong. Can't tell you how many serve. I'm a young man, but you hear me tonight. I can't tell you how many conference services I've stepped into and something just, ooh, there's something that don't feel right about that. That new cart, oh, I, I do. Somebody's trampling on something. Holy, amen, and precious. I'm preaching progress with preservation. Amen. David looked in the book. There's one way that that ark has got to be carried. <laughs> Woo! There's only one way. Well, we want progress, Pastor. We, we, on Friday nights, let, let's turn the lights down and change the color of a, flu, a few of them and, and maybe put in a little bit of a strobe and a smoke machine. And we, we, want our, we want our young people to experience things. And, and you know, we live with all this technology. We might as well use it. Oh, 
Praise God. I'll I tell you this. I'm not afraid to preach tonight. <laughs> amen. I'm not, if that's your ideology. Amen. There's an altar here. Amen. There's a Bible here. You need to start doing some history lessons. You need to see where I came from. You need to see some of my family and friends I used to go to church with that went that direction and they don't have their kids and they don't have their grandkids and they don't have their great grandkids. David said, we're going and finding the book. We're finding out how this ark has to be carried. That ark represented the spirit of the Lord, the presence of God. Folks, I want it so bad. I want his presence so bad. Oh, what happened to the services before there was ever a key played on the keyboard? Before there was ever one song sang? Before anybody stepped to the pulpit, the glory of God came in. I'm going to tell you, I'm not against technology. I got the latest iPhone with the updates and, and all of that. But I wonder sometimes, coming into where the presence of the Lord is, if all of this technology doesn't take away. I'm preaching about progress and preservation. Progress and preservation. You can pick your telephone up on the way home. Amen. You can check your voicemails when you get out to the car. But I want a sovereign move of God that takes a sinner whose life is messed up, whose marriage is in shambles, whose children are on drugs and full of all kinds of rebellion. And it draws them and puts them in an altar. You got the latest update on your iPhone, but when's the last time you got an update from the Holy Ghost? Well, it's a new cart. I'm just suggesting tonight, are we trying again to carry it on a new cart? Put it on your shoulders, men. But I know that's so antiquated. There's better ways to do it. There's smarter ways. You know, don't work harder, work smarter. Use some technology. Oh, no. Let me tell you. Amen. God is one who dwells in eternity. He's not impressed with our technology. He's not impressed with how good we do things. He just wants to know, can you preserve what I handed you? Can you still follow? Amen. The guidelines, put it on your shoulders and carry it. I understand this might not be going over very well. Amen. It might not be going over very well at all. But I'm telling you, God has stirred up my heart. What are we going to do? We've got all kinds of progress. But where's it taking us? But when they put it on their shoulders, and they started making their way to the city of David, Boy, there was something. You know, when they came on that first trip, they went shouting for a little ways. They did. They shouted for a little ways. Until they got to that threshing floor and God smote Yusa. And I'm going to tell you, all the shouting stopped. All of the shouting stopped. But this time, when they went back and read how it was supposed to be done hallelujah they went shouting all the way to the city 
six paces and they would make a sacrifice. Woo, and they would shout and dance. I'm going to suggest to us tonight. Amen. I'm trying to be kind tonight. I know I'm not at home tonight. I'm trying to be as nice as I can tonight. But I'm wondering, amen, if we could just go back and start doing the things that ought to be done. What our shouting services. When's the last time we turned the lights off at 1 a.m.? When's the last time we had to carry somebody out of the altar? Come on, when they went back and started doing it the old-fashioned way, amen, they worshiped all the way. I'm preaching about the paradox of progress and preservation. I'm not suggesting we go back to the telegraph. I'm not suggesting we start writing letters and sending it U.S. Postal Service. But I am suggesting that we better take a long historical look and see what we're preserving. We better take a long look and see what we've been discarding in the name of progress. The Apostle Paul, he wrote to a young man, a young man, a young man, We can feel the pressures of the young generation. My son knows more about my iPhone than I know. He knows all the latest doodads and gadgets and things that are out there. Hear me, parents. We can feel the pressure from our kids saying, let's change this. That's so antiquated. That is not modern at all. But mom, everybody's wearing it. Everybody's combing their hair that way. We gotta have progress. We gotta have progress, mom. I'm gonna submit to you, yes, we need progress, but we gotta preserve some things. Paul writes to Timothy and he said, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine and continue in them. Continue in them. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. We're tired. We've been doing it this way for a long time, Pastor. Let's change it. You better continue. You better continue in the things that you have heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip. We start discarding them. We get so caught up in the progress that we forget about the preservation. And we start throwing away the very tools and implements that got us to this point. Timothy, you're young. You're young. Be careful. Be careful of the idealism of youth. Be careful. You better consult to some elders. Amen. That can see things that you don't see. Consider things that you've never thought of before you go to changing things. Timothy, I'm writing to you. Continue in them. Second Timothy chapter one, hold fast the form of sound. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Do you understand I didn't get this by some committee. This came by the Holy Ghost. 
before I throw it away and say it doesn't work, I better consider where it came from. This came by the Holy Ghost. You want to go forward tonight? I want to go forward. I'm going to tell you, I I try to update my ties, but I I don't get out there on the edge. I try to update my clothes, but I don't get out there on the edge. I don't think we need to wear sackcloth to church, but you know what? Getting so far out there that we stay in step with Hollywood is dangerous. Young man came to me the other day. He said, Pastor, what do you think about this sport jacket? Almost threw up on it. It was that ugly. And I said, son, there is something to be said about moderation. An extreme in either direction is never a good thing. Another man come in with his head shaved. So hey, I'm making a point. I said, you sure are. I said, son, extremes aren't good. What happened to moderation? What happened to moderation? I'm asking you that question tonight, personally. What happened to moderation? Well, we want to be cool. You better be careful. The place you're headed may not be so cool. Be careful. What are you preaching tonight, preacher? I'm trying to tell you, while we go forward, we can't let go of some of these precious things. There's some that have looked at Hebrews chapter number six. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism and of laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And they say, look there, we need to go on. We don't need to stay there. I'm going to submit to us tonight that that scripture is like a ladder. When Paul talks about going on, it's like climbing up the ladder. I propped the old ladder on the church building the other day. Had to crawl up there. But when I got to the top, I didn't get rid of rung number one. It was still very important to me and my health. Step number two, I still viewed is vital and essential. I understand the need to go on. I understand the need to go forward. But don't you cut the legs out from under the ladder. That's what's holding us up. That's what's keeping us stabilized. Are you hearing me tonight? Some don't want to preach repentance. and Some want to throw away the fundamentals. I'm telling you, I don't think we got to stay there every service. But they're essential. Don't you get rid of them. Stand with me tonight. 